You're listening to Radio ISO, the podcast bringing you notes from isolation and stories about the people we're missing. I'm your host, Emily Sargent. Today I spoke to Sam, a critical care nurse who's missing her friend, Christine. critical care nurse. I work in a, a intensive care unit in an NHS hospital on the south coast of England. I have worked in critical care for um, 18 months now. Uh, I qualified as a nurse just over two years ago. Prior to that I worked in IT for the best part of 30 years. At the end of the day I would go home and think, you know, what have I done today? It just reached the point where I wanted something a little bit more satisfying out of my career. Mm. My age at the time, which would have been um, early 50s at this point, uh, was, how shall we say, I didn't think that going through med school and all the necessary training, etc., would be practical at that age. So I looked around at the various options and eventually after uh, research and digging and speaking to a number of people in a different number of roles, I thought perhaps nursing was the right place. It's the very wide and diverse profession. Mm. Going home at the end of a shift, knowing that I've helped someone, it's, it's just... It's the greatest feeling in the world. Mm. I absolutely love it. Or I used to. Um, I still do love uh, my job, but since the onset of the COVID pandemic, the nature of it has changed significantly. And rather than the sense of anticipation which always accompanied me uh, as I went into work. I tend these days to feel a sense of anxiety. Uh, Intensive care doctors and consultants, incredibly intelligent, experienced people, but they only get to spend a few minutes each day with the patient, mm. whereas we, being by their side for 12 and a half hours on the shift, really get to know them. Um, you know, and that's the part of the job that I hadn't quite expected. The contact, the connection, the personal side, psychological support, because a very scary environment. And even if you're sedated, you're not, not absolutely sure to what extent a patient is aware of what's going on around them. So we'll continuously talk to them, explain what we're doing, tell them who we are, uh, 
you know, tell them where they are, what day of the week, what the time is. In your experience as a patient you're seeing at the moment who are sedated, how much do you believe them to be taking in of what you're saying to them? It varies so much from one to another. Um, you know, I've spoken to uh, people who have survived a stint in ITU who have been completely unaware of what's going on. And I've spoken to others who, to them, it's been like a, a dream or a nightmare. And they've suffered uh, hallucinations and delirium. Mm. Um, I know of one patient who thought that they were being kept prisoner. And they would um, map day-to-day -day sounds. So the closing of a door, the shutting of a waste bin lid onto their uh, imagination. We work on the basis that we can be heard because it's better to speak and then not hear you than mm. not to speak and then uh, miss out on it, as it were. How's it changed for you, this, the feeling of, of going into work over the last couple of months? My personal experience is that I've gone from absolutely loving to go into work to dreading it. Once I'm in and I've started work, uh, most of the time I settle and I'm okay. But there's a sense of the unknown of anxiety and fear that really doesn't sit comfortably as I travel into work these days. Practically everything we do is that much harder by virtue of the fact that we're wearing protective equipment, mm. PPE, as we call it, personal protective equipment. So if I work on a COVID unit, we have a couple units, one of which is all COVID. Before you go in the door of the unit, you have to don gloves and a gown and a respirator and a face mask or an air hood, which is what I use, mm -hmm. and double check, put on a uh, hairnet to make sure that, you know, hair's up out of the way. And every time you leave, all of this stuff has to be removed in a fashion that is safe so you're not touching contaminated stuff you're cleaning bits off your um and it's it's just taxing mm -hmm. um, it's hot it's cumbersome two layers of gloves dulls our touch and the thing that is quite heartbreaking to me is you look at the patients who are conscious and they can't really see us well mm. hidden behind all this equipment. They can't hear us. Um, you know, we're often having to shout. And you may pick up, I've still got a bit of a hoarse voice. Because mm. uh, we're continuously shouting to be heard through all of this equipment. And our patients are ill, often very ill. They're surrounded by space aliens, as it were. They're cut off from their family. And it's just, you know, horrific. Um, 
So the emotional and physical load, the cognitive load, is huge. What's the effect on you of watching a patient who you've cared for have to interact with their family remotely? It's an odd juxtaposition of terrible sadness that this is all they can do, but also gratitude that the technology exists to allow them to do that. You know, part of the human connection. <laughs> Sorry, love. <sighs> no, t- part this... of the human connection is nonverbal. Yeah. It's the simple things like touch and tone of voice. Mm. And it's, you can't touch over FaceTime. Um, and the nuances of that are filtered out to a large extent in much the same way as they're filtered out between us and the people we care for by all this um, protective gear that we have to wear to keep ourselves, our colleagues, our other patients safe. It's hard. How does it feel for you, um, not for you to be able to physically comfort patients with touch? Um, it's hard. Uh, it's it's almost like. I mean, I'm I've not lost a sense, but it's mm-hmm. as if our senses are dulled. Um, like walking around in the dark. How do you think this experience will have changed you? if I come out the other side, that I'll take a lot of things less for granted than I do. Um, You know, the ability to smile and people see it, the ability to touch, uh, the ability just to breathe comfortably whilst chatting with those in our care um, without having to shout. At any point has this experience made you think that you might not want to continue or are you? do you still feel very committed to the role? On a day-to-day, shift-to-shift basis, I often wish I didn't have to go in. Um, the problem is... I love the job. I love the difference we can make. I love the teams of people I work with. In the long term, um, I can't imagine doing any other profession. Uh, you know, I, I, I love this work. Um, it's just at present, for the duration of this pandemic, there's going to be more bad times and good times. Do you feel the job that you're doing is even more vital in this strange world where families and loved ones can't be there in person, that you're representing them in some sense? If you imagine a pre-COVID world, 
we're still by the patients 24-7, um, interacting with them, observing them, knowing the nuances of how they're doing. But their friends and family are able to come in and you know may visit for some time, some hours during the day. And they get a direct eyes on. They can see, uh, touch, feel their loved one. That's all been stolen now. So the only contact they have is through healthcare professionals and predominantly that's through the bedside nurse. Again, because we spend most of the time with the patient. Mm -hmm. So we're spending more time on the phone with families, updating them and making it clear to them that any time of the day or night, if they're concerned, if they're worried, if they want to know what's going on, call us. At present, we're very busy, but we will always be prepared to try and make time. And it's it's an important part of my job to try and make sure that they are as supported as I can possibly. I I I cannot imagine the huge grief of losing someone near or dear and not even having the opportunity to be with them at the end. And it's our responsibility as nurses to try and be a proxy for that. And all we can do is our best to ensure that our patients pass with as much comfort as we can give them and as much dignity Part of that comfort is ensuring that <sighs> sorry. No, take your time. Ensuring that they're not alone. That there's that there's someone there with them, touching their shoulder, holding their hand, even if it's through two or three layers of gloves. It's it's a little bit better than no one being there at all. Um, yeah, it's hard. How do you personally cope with the emotional weight of all of that? Because that just, to me, feels so huge and life-altering how are you managing to do this on a daily basis i cry a lot um i'll cry before i go into work i'll cry when i get home sometimes during the shift or when i'm off duty the horror well or some moments of beauty um will just trigger me and I'll burst into tears. And for me, that's a release. Mm. I'll share about it with people. I'll, um, my personal experience is that if I can name what I'm feeling, if I can say I'm feeling anxiety or fear or anger, 
it sort of shines a light on it mm. rather than for me pretending it doesn't exist or trying to push it down under the surface. Can you think of an example of a time recently when you've managed to find beauty still in the world? What happened this morning? I'm not at work uh, the past couple of days. I don't go back for a couple more days. I needed to go out and get some essential supplies. So I wandered down to my local supermarket. Lots of people with masks on. Um, very surreal. Um, I'm quite a chatty person. I'll chat to people as I go around the shop under normal circumstances. I'll chat with the staff. And now it's sort of like you see someone approaching and you cross to the opposite side of the road kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I was walking back from the supermarket and uh, I spotted in the, I spotted in the window a drawing that I presumed to be done by a young one of a rainbow. Mm. And NHS. And I just, it touched me so deeply. Um, the first time I heard the Thursday clapping, um, the first time that I nursed a patient who was. Uh, suspected COVID and we were having to treat them as if they were infected. And the result came back that they were clear when I told them the wonderful news, the sense of relief was palpable. Mm. And they said, they said, can I shake your hand? And I did. And it was just such a beautiful moment, mm -hmm. such a simple um, act of human connection. Her name is Christine. Um, we've known each other probably knocking on three years now, uh, pre-COVID, we would get together for a couple of hours of coffee and catch up. Uh, fika, as the Swedish would say. Yeah. Um, probably uh, once a week. It For two women who worked in IT, it took us... <laughs> A uh, embarrassingly long <laughs> amount of time to realize, hang on, we can have a virtual coffee. <laughs> so we've started doing that. And in fact, I was on the um, video link tour uh, just a couple of hours ago. We were supping away and chatting about this, that and the other. Um, not 
as nice as physically being there, but uh, pretty damn good. Um, you know, it's nice to, to hear her, to see her. Uh, she's a very dear friend. She um, She's offered a huge amount of emotional and psychological and financial support. But Christine, you know, was adamant if I needed anything uh, that she would um, help me out. And mm. it's just lovely. We have a similar outlook on life. We laugh at much of the same things. Um, we're both single, so we can uh, talk and gossip about the perils of dating. Um, <laughs> And um, we're both of a similar age. Uh, it's just someone I, could, I feel I'm relaxed with. Um, I don't have to put on a front. I, I joked um, with Christine, as it were, uh, a few weeks ago. I said, if someone had put together, you know, pre-COVID, a movie script pitch where the plot line was based on what is actually happening now, it would have been kicked out as being unrealistic and far-fetched. Um, and yet, here we are. How would you summarize her or describe her qualities for someone who hadn't met her before? Kind, generous, compassionate, intelligent, fun, uh, a bit mischievous, um, genuinely caring, mm. uh, a good egg, shall we say. It's nice to have a friend like her. I really value our friendship. Putting a positive spin on it, I look very much forward to the first time that we're able to um, have a face-to-face -face coffee again. What do you think that'll feel like for you? Uh, like the lights coming on, the clouds rolling away. Um, just, it'll be a bit of a woohoo moment. Saying that she had supported you to buy PPE? Yeah, um, my employer provides two sorts of respiratory protection of the highest caliber. Now, I wear glasses. I'm very short-sighted. And what I found was that wearing an FFP3 mask my glasses have to sit on top of it. It pushes them out of alignment so that I can't see clearly. So I've been using the alternative, which um, we call air hoods. It's sort of like a space helmet. And whilst it has its own drawbacks, which are it's heavy and it's cumbersome uh, it doesn't interfere with my glasses mm -hmm. now they're rather expensive bits of gear and 
um, we don't have a huge number at the hospital. And as we are seeing more and more staff uh, working in COVID zones, uh, you know, I put two and two together and realized at some point there's going to be a situation where um, I there won't be an air hood available. Mm-hmm. So I scoured the internet, did my research, and when I was on the phone with Christine at the time, uh, we were texting and I said, I've I've just managed to find somebody who has one of these units, uh, and they said they'll try and get it to me tomorrow. She said, how much was it? And I I said to her, you know, it's, it's a fair old chunk, and uh, it's the best part of a grand. Um, and she says, Sam, uh, give me your bank account details. I'm going to send you some money towards that. <laughs> and I burst into tears. You know, she said, I, I, it's important to me that you feel safe, that you're safe at work. Um, and it's in no way a reflection on my employer. They're doing the utmost, but knowing that I have my own equipment uh, is, uh, it's brought me peace of mind. And Christine helped financially with that, and I'm just so grateful for her. like to tell us about someone you're missing we'd love to hear from you get in touch at radioisopodcast at gmail.com or on instagram at radioisopod <laughs>